Hey, did you guys watch Secret Invasion? Yeah. Yes. Did how did it end? How did it go? Ended after about six episodes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it was fine. Well, there was a super scroll at the end, I hear. Yep. Sure. Any any other cool stuff? Did it turn out that Nick Fury had been a scroll all along? No. No. Okay. But he's married to a scroll, but you know, we knew that before. But I don't know if earlier in the series. Did he know he knew that? Yeah. I I didn't watch it very closely and I I wasn't super impressed with it, but it was no. It's I it's mean, getting shit on with a great fury, and I don't yeah, quite understand that's, that. That's ah, what a great fury. Well, of course. Uh, <laughs> oh, you two should get married. <laughs> I don't Sam, think it deserves that. No, Sandra Jackson was good, and um, I forget her name. The actor that plays his wife is good. Toby Smolders? No, that's that's. Colby she Smulders was killed in the second episode. episode. I think the first yeah. episode. Yeah. Or first, yeah. yeah. But the last episode was. It wasn't good, but you know, it's set things up for the future. Hmm. It, yeah, it it seemed like a, a nice little stop while we wait for another movie to come out and not impress us. Yeah, yeah. Daenerys well, comics Targaryen. Please present- oh, sorry. Excuse me, <laughs> Roman. I'm trying to do something over here. I'm really a scroll. <laughs> Roman, come on. podcast i am your host jeff and we're here to talk <laughs> comics but before we get into it as always make sure you like and subscribe our channel write us a review and if you want to be like will in a minute here and write us an email or send us a voicemail you can do it at jeff at the comics place.com i'm jeff yeah jango here i'm a scroll roman said that two times now <laughs> i mean i'm not a scroll never mind Proceed. i don't know what to believe i'm lost do you think Oh, he's been a scroll this whole time trying to sabotage our podcast. Yes. Well, then who cares? It works fine. That's why invasion. That's why no one cares about us. (laughs) Except for you, dear sweet (laughs) listener. Pardon that disgusting intro. I'm here to talk about comics with you. But Django. Wait, we're on YouTube now? Can you make me laugh before we get to Will's email? We are. Oh, Jesus, Jeff. Will's voicemail, rather. That's a a tall order. Well, Django, make me laugh, please. I'm going to drink some tea really quickly. Did I tell you where bad light gets sent? No. To prism. <laughs> uh, well done. It's All a right. light sentence. It gives it time to reflect. Please stop. Hello and happy episode 324. I've been driving all day today, oh. and I just pulled over on the side of the freeway to use a rest stop and realized it's time to send you guys a podcast question for <laughs> this evening, assuming you're going to record tonight. Um, I have not had much of an opportunity to think about a good question. So I'm going to present you guys two choices this week. One of them is going to be uh, the option for Django to tell us about San Diego Comic-Con, attending the Eisners, talking about being a comic shop owner on a panel to a bunch of other nerds. Um, You know, or if he doesn't want to talk about that, you can answer this question instead. What is the most fun each of you have ever had pulling over at a freeway rest stop? Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That was Freeway. a good. That was a good 
email. So, Django, he asked you about San Diego last week, and we kind of danced around it. And he's asking you about it this week. I think you owe this boy an explanation. So tempting to dance around it again. It is tempting <laughs> to dance around it, especially when we've got these fancy <laughs> shoes on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to San Diego Comic-Con and hung out with a lot of people. Um, in fact, approximately the population of Bellingham ends up there. So like 130,000 people uh, in that convention hall. That is so many people. Um, more people than I think we have in our store on a Wednesday even. <clears throat> uh, I was on a panel about uh, So You Want to Be a Retailer. That was pretty fun. I was on there with uh, uh, three Eisner winners for shops and, and one that won later that night. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a blast. Got to hang out with a bunch of people saw Mark Russell, who introduced me to Tom King and uh, got to attend the, the Eisner's, which is a pretty fun little thing, although I didn't have a seat that let me get food. So I got free coffee and hadn't eaten all day and then kind of stumbled home really drunk after half a drink. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was a great time. I think everybody should try to go to San Diego Comic Con. Did you meet Batman? Dude, I didn't stand in a single line to do anything so i didn't meet anybody or get my picture taken doing anything cool um the, some of the lines were pretty pretty long also there was less cosplay than i expected like maybe one in ten people were dressed up as a as a fancy cosplay thing and emerald city is like half the people seem like they're dressed up so it felt like a waste to have brought your middle-aged alcoholic cosplay with you <laughs> <laughs> Ah, it, it fit my suitcase. <laughs> I was I was trying to decide if I was gonna make that joke or not. I decided to go for it. <laughs> oh, I finally made him laugh. I guess. <laughs> well, you made me laugh with your first attempt, Django. Um, most fun you've ever had at a yard, oh, a, a shop, a stop shop, a stop rest stop, stop, rest area, rest stop. Yeah. Um, wonder where Will's going. We're coming from. Oh yeah. I hope he's doing all right. Um, I've done I, some pretty fun bad boy things at a rest stop. I probably shouldn't talk about. Can we can we modify this to like a stop on a trip? No, he's at no, a rest I, stop. It's about rest stops. Rest he's stop. at a freeway rest stop. Like Django, you have so go, many stories about roadside attractions. I don't. I don't want to <laughs> yeah, hear. Yeah, but the, they're never on a freeway. All right, what thing. story do you want to tell? I don't know. <laughs> remember one time when I was a little kid, we saw two snakes fucking in a tree, but that was definitely on a back road, not on a freeway. How high up were the snakes? They were pretty high, but I was pretty short, so it's hard to say now. And is, how old do you think you were? Uh, less than 13, more than seven. So you knew. <laughs> oh, yeah, my dad said what they were doing. What were they doing? Fucking. I don't think that's how he put it, though. Where were they doing that? In a tree. Wow. Two snakes fucking in a tree. I think what that was the same story. rest stop that had a had a train engine that you could. Okay, climb so on. it was a rest stop. Well, yeah, but it was on a highway, not a freeway. He said rest stop. He said a freeway rest stop. Well, Django, let's be a little loose with the question, okay? <laughs> That's what I was asking to do. <laughs> All right, Jeff, where's your favorite place you've seen snakes fucking? Um, I don't know. I've never looked in your window at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you little snake man, you little snake charmer. Oh, and on that topic, um, what about Django? the scroll, Django? Did you read uh, Conan? Sure didn't. It looks a lot like a Marvel Conan, though. 
sure this does. is like the fourth week in a row where i've tried to engage you in the first book <laughs> and you can't fucking get it together even on a small week to read some comic books yeah do you read hey kids comics we can start with that yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I leaned into it this time. I, I had a feeling you didn't read Conan. I'm no, I don't even know that that's the right book to start with. I just, uh, the last couple of times, I have missed him. So I wanted to, tr- you know, I wanted to try and pounce on you. Yeah, bounce, bounce it. Can pounce I? it, but be warned, I'm a snake. Can I ask Can I you? fuck behind my windows? <laughs> like it's a dream. Rattle, 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 rattle. What were your, guys, we got to try and talk about some comics, Django. It's not all just snakes and tree fucking, okay? Um, what was your favorite comic you read this week, you guys? I need to, I need to know now. Favorite comic? Probably Fantastic Four by a long ass That's shot. That's what I was going to say. I think yep. it's mine as well. Yeah. So now that we've done that little bit of self-discovery together and with our listeners, I think we should talk about Fantastic Four. Conan, Four. number one from <laughs> Titan. <laughs> oh, wait, Django didn't read it. <laughs> um, Fantastic Four, number 10 by Ryan North. And this one's art is by... Oh, whoa. Leonardo Fernandez. Sorry, yeah, Leonardo Fernandez. There's a credit listing as God's Page Writer. Yeah, every single Marvel comic for like the next month has a one-page story at the end that is a Jonathan Hickman tie-in to God's and is supposed to have a new character appear in every one of them. That's like what? Uh, okay. I don't see that in here, but maybe maybe one of those AIM guys is a new character. If it's, you remember like, when the new 52 happened and every first issue had that character Pandora somewhere. Oh God, yes. that was awful. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well that makes more sense. Cause I did not know what that last page was about. I was going to ask you guys, but here we've learned about it. Okay. I need to now pay attention to those last pages in every mainstream Marvel. Every single Marvel. Comic. It's not in X-Men and it's not in what if so, <clears throat> but I yeah. guess those two things could be excluded. Um, the cover is really creepy on this issue. Uh, so we got an issue of Fantastic Four here. Issue number 10 in a Fantastic Four run that we're all reading and regularly loving. I don't. I think can't that's... remember the last time I read 10 issues of Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah, I don't think this has ever happened in the history of the podcast that all three of us have been loving uh, Fantastic Four series. But it's certainly one of the best things coming out in my mind currently. This is a very cool, almost like Twilight Zone-esque just little one-shot story. And it takes place on this ship that's being used to transport basically the rebirth of a species in stasis um, to a planet. And it gets stuck in some weird area and the ship won't work. And we spend like, I don't know, a thousand years on this ship kind of jumping through time as subsequent shepherds of you know the ship are woken out of stasis to make sure everything's going okay um but what's interesting is the whole like thousand years that we're on this ship with these folks uh there's like weird traces of interactions with the fantastic four and it happens like the story starts with 1000 years ago goes to 500 gets closer to like d-day if you will and that's what we end up on like three quarters of the way through it and it it's the fantastic four getting exposed to the ship like stuck in a black hole and it has all these weird they realize there's going to be these ramifications um that we've been experiencing throughout the whole issue what i'm trying to say it was told in a really interesting way it really was it was um and it it took i i think it's actually five 500 years is where it starts and then it counts down by 100 years at a time and then when we get to uh now then we see the fantastic four doing their thing there we go and it's it's uh 
Yeah, it's super cool kind of time displacement relativity stuff. And I think it was like probably uh, probably two <coughs> or maybe even three appearances of Fantastic Four members in before I realized what was probably happening, that the ship had been slowed way down and the Fantastic Four were um, in there trying to help. And it, like, yeah, one of the most interestingly told comics I've seen in a long time, and it made me want to go rewatch Interstellar. Mm. Roman, did it do your Fantastic Boys and Girls justice? It did, and it's funny because it I didn't think of Interstellar. That's a good one. I, it made me think of like episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah, Doctor huh. Who is what I was thinking of. I was like Twilight Zone. I was like, there's a different, similar thing that's like more like spacey, adventury. Um, Roman, do you have any like sort of maxi meta statements about this Fantastic Four run at this point? I mean, the fact that we all love it this much at this point is pretty cool. Um, what do you think is the thing that's making this work so well? I think um, Ryan North just really has a, a big, expansive imagination, and he's you know he's doing the main his Fantastic Four's main. <clears> I think <throat> his main drive behind it is okay, Imaginots, which I think is something Mark Wade made up for them. But um, his stories are so creative and so <clears throat> fantastic and sciencey. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he, every issue he just does some wild. I, I it's funny, even though I really loved his Squirrel Girl, I didn't expect him to be so um good at non-humorous storytelling mm. um and it's it, it's very very impressive i love the little details like in this um the ff when they do finally get on the ship um since time on the ship is so much passing so much faster um than the ff than it was for the ff they get on the ship and like seemingly instantaneously all of a sudden graffiti appears on the wall <laughs> of them <laughs> but it was drawn you know like I don't know how many hundreds of years before that. And it's just not a nice little touches like that. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I think it's, I think you're right on like his imagination and his ability. I, it's not reinventing the fantastic four by any means, but it seems like it's leaning into the adventurous creative sort of spirit that the series thrives on that for some reason, other people, I think it's just weird. What a lack of creative storytelling there's been for the fantastic four in the past. Um, so yeah, and his also his voice for all these characters is so fantastic. But he, and like the, I thought the like the Reed or, or Sue like nervous system appearing in the hallways of the spaceship was like a <laughs> yeah. super creepy touch in that way that like he's kind of been doing the body horror stuff um, for other folks. It's it's very like creepy. Like yeah, it kind of reminded me of like Event Horizon and stuff. Well, and like the way that uh, the way that Reed's tendrils come through the wall. Mm-hmm. in that there's there's like a full page of this guy who just accidentally killed himself with a ricochet trying to shoot at reed's squishy stuff coming through i, I thought that was pretty cool yeah yeah i mean we've talked about pretty much every <clears throat> issue so there's not a whole lot more to say i do think that they're doing a great job of bouncing between multiple artists and having there still be like a pretty strong sense of continuity in the vision mm-hmm. that said it, it's probably because it's kind of house styly um some of the like this isn't one of the top tier artists that's on the book some of the other ones can do like pretty fun cartoony stuff but this is this is pretty stock but at the same time doesn't feel cheap in any way yeah i'm glad that this one um was a different art uh leandro fernandez mm-hmm. um yeah if i think if it had been one of the previous artists might have been a little too uh maybe just a little too cartoony like yeah. the first panel of this issue the that shows the the arc, the ship in space, the way it's lit from some star or something in the distance. It's a beautiful panel. Yeah, there is some really gorgeous artwork, especially, yeah, the space shots, just how light is being used in space is pretty great. And that's probably Jesus Arbertoff doing the 
the yeah. colors for that. Yeah, you're there right. are also mm -hmm. some really rough panels. Yeah, I'm there gonna, are some. Rough I'm going to dock it pretty bad for that. Yeah, yeah. So where are you going to end up with a big daddy? Oh, finally, <laughs> you said it out loud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I think it would have been a nine or a nine and a half with uh, art that I liked more. Uh, but but the the rough panels are pretty bad. I'm going to give it a nine. I think there's like maybe 9.5 potential in there if, if I had liked the art more. I'm going to give it a nine. And did you see the next issue page? And Alex Ross drawing with a thing and a cute little dog. Oh, yeah. I hope that <laughs> dog's okay. I hope so, the, too. The cover for this one, especially having read the context of the story, is, is really great. Yeah. Yeah. Cover of the week. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, Django, where do you want to drive us next, you big, strong cowboy? Would you read Hey Kids comics? No, let's hear about it. How's that going? I don't going? want to talk about that. I think we should talk about Peacemaker Tries Hard. Oh, <laughs> another great decision from the the, the podcast, Daddy-O. Did you read that? Yeah. Roman? Um, show me the cover. We'll show the, the, the listeners the cover, too. I, I did. I did. I, I, I needed to see the cover because I don't have a copy, but I did read it. Um, this, this had something that I would have posted on social media as my panel of the day, but the the context of it was just having a uh, napkin dispenser shoved up your ass. Mm. And I thought that didn't really fit with our marketing plan. So I decided <laughs> not to put it in there. Uh, Peacemaker tries hard by Kyle Starks and Steve Pugh and Jordi Belair. It's just still funny, Jeff. It's still funny. And it feels like a Garth Ennis story to me. It mm. feels like a Garth Ennis story. And there's a bad guy who's powered by cocaine, and Amanda Waller thinks that Bruce Wayne the dog is Bruce Wayne the man. That's a really good interaction. <laughs> and there's a frog that crawls inside a guy's nose. Yeah, that was a pretty good deus ex machina. And unfortunately, Deathstrike's, Deathstroke's going to be in the next one, so uh, I guess I'm going to drop off. Oh, but it'll be hilarious. <sighs> I'm, I'm really, I forget the name of that villain whose powers are from cocaine but i love the fact that he's in this peacemaker series and snow he's flame on, and he's on uh the harley quinn animated series oh is and he that's, and that's oh, the only he? place we'll see these that <laughs> see him is he pretty good in the cartoon show <laughs> he is he is yeah because he's just basically like kind of the the drug dealer tall super villains fuel me my cumulonimbus stimulant cloud <laughs> yeah i love that the the other guy has his bees lifting weights yeah and his bee's name so, is michael it's it's just so dumb is that other guy's name the bee is that his name roman the, so. the red the red bee the, the red, red bee? bee that's what i was like thinking one of their golden age characters i've really grown fond of these two people together interacting with each other especially with his bee michael who is just inexplicably <laughs> cool django f for me maybe my favorite panel of the week is like the full page <clears throat> near the well it's like in the second half of right here of b and peacemaker like sitting together tied together back to back in a chair and then it's got like a flashback above it and there's like people right. shooting at him but like it's steve Pugh. it looks great it's so dumb i just love it <laughs> and there's a little the little toad is on peacemaker's leg at that point oh yeah and and like steve Pugh is such a pro and, oh there's also one on his shoulder there's toads everywhere there's, yeah, there's a, there... toads throughout the whole issue I think that uh, when when they first encounter the toads, it looked like a Raiders of the Lost Ark gag to me with spiders on his back. <laughs> Jango, but uh, not everything. No, I'm just kidding. I agree. Yeah, I the pretty same much thing. everything is, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like how Steve Pugh is such a 
such a skilled artist and understands these characters and their bodies so well that uh, Peacemaker's arms are tied behind the chair and the Red Bee's arms are just tied in front of the chair. Like, like you, you probably couldn't get his arms to go that, that direction. Um, it just like that. He's just such a good artist. Yeah. He, he really knows bodies and, and like how to, how to tell a story with just drawings. I bet he worked in a morgue. I gave it an 8.5. It gets a minus 0.5 because it was very verbose. I gave it a 9.5, and I pretended that I liked more words for my comic. Yeah. Yeah, Django. Well, if Peacemaker <laughs> is beneficial when you're stoned, which I think it is, it's also hard to not fall asleep reading that many words. Oh, I can dig that. I've been reading this comic for an hour and a half. I give it a nine. Yeah. Nine. What is? What else did you think about it, Roman? I just chuckle every time the red bee is in it because I'm so. I never expected to see the red bee in a peacemaker comic and have them being teamed up. I love the red bee. He's so goofy. He is. He's got his super blouse and he's. I always love the fact he. He keep. He has a hollow belt buckle and he keeps it one bee in there. Not a couple bees, not five bees, just one. Michael, Michael. the bee. <laughs> just, just Michael, Michael the bee. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's not created for this series. That's part of his lore from like All-Star Squadron and the, and the, dude, the Golden Age. that is so cool. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> um, hey, Django, I gave you some incorrect information this week, which was that this was the final issue of Justice Society of America. The it's story not. wrapped, but I feel like it looks like there's one more issue or yeah, maybe even is. an indeterminate number of issues, but it does say next Jay Garrick and Our Man and the Dawn of DC. So, um, oh yeah, there is another one coming. Excellent. Yeah, which is great that. news for me because uh, I offer this as a counterpoint. Peacemaker is great. Uh, it's the 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 lots of text is it works well for that comic. Um, this is like the opposite in that I think it's like a perfectly paced comic. I think Jeff Johns just knows the right balance between art and storytelling to make you feel a part of an adventure. And I love the flow of his comics and this comic continues to be fantastic. And in this one, we kind of get the wrapping up of this arc with this villain who had showed up kind of throughout time attacking the justice society of America and uh, Helena Wayne came back in time from the future to stop him. She gets to meet up with Batman and he in typical Batman fashion is kind of a dick. <laughs> his yeah. thing at the end he's was such like a, a self-serving butthole yeah well you're thinking um, the bummer when they're uh, the end when they're talking because they sent this guy to the snow globe from flashpoint beyond that's storing the flashpoint reality and bruce is just like she's got to go get her the fuck out of here she's got to go yeah yeah and er, and and earlier on he's like hey i know that you're you came back in time and started messing with things but uh you know that's that's not cool and she's like well but you just did it too and he's like yeah I, you know whatever leave me alone yeah. kid yeah typical rich rich white guy well it's okay for him yeah <laughs> nobody else though he's batman butthead man whoa okay <laughs> let's let's stop tearing apart butthead man Django, you really like the art in this book i really like the art in this book um mikhail janine i i like the the panel in the beginning where huntress gives Bruce a big hug because she missed her dad and the the crazy uh forced perspective where Degaton is standing in a million different directions like MC Escher stuff that's got to be the most referenced picture <clears throat> ever no not obviously but it's so you know it's classic it's classic but also he's awesome. he's 
different ages. So it's him from different eras, which I think is Yeah, I didn't cool. actually realize that. Mikhail Janin definitely likes to do these sort of splash pages with lots of people over time on them. Not necessarily yeah. age through time like that, but... Yeah. Oh, there's there's those panels it, within the snow globe of uh, the Joker and yeah, like from from the Flashpoint universe. I thought those were really cool. And the big glory shot of all the Justice Society showing up. So yeah, yeah it's just I, a good comic. I wonder what the future of this series is going to be. If it's just one more issue, if it's coming out for a while, will it stay Jeff Johns on it? It says twelve issues, so probably oh, Jeff Johns cool. the whole time. And given that they haven't really seemed to give a shit whether it comes out on time, I'm guessing Mikhail Janin will stay on the whole thing too. That's very cool. good news, Django. And also, yeah. somehow they don't have a cover available. For the... I'm gonna, I'm gonna just explode about data all over everybody. So stop me now, Jeff. Django, let's let's leave DC alone and just think about them being a company that makes some fun comics, which this one was. I would give it a pretty high score. I'm gonna go 8.5 for this one as well. Also 8.5. Roman. Ah, what the hell? I'll make it an 8.52. Pizza Roman. He loves it. Roman, what do you want to talk about this week? You read some comics. Well, let's see. Um, I'm going to turn the heat in my room down. Why do you have the heat on? My God. Um, Gosh. A bunch of stuff I don't care about. Jeff, can you turn the heat in my room down, too? Nope. Why do you have the the heat on? It's a billion degrees outside. Yeah, it's a complex issue. But he's inside. (laughs) Um, Should we talk about... Conan, the, the latest Conan the Barbarian, number one. Let's do Hell it. yeah. Jim Zub writing a Conan yarn that is illustrated by none other than Rob Delatorre and Jose Villarubia on colors. And I thought they made an interesting artistic choice with this comic book. Why? I was I was prompting Roman to explain it. But yeah, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, what was it? <laughs> well, it's just the art style itself is, is pretty unique. Uh, I mean, not for Conan, but it's a pretty huge departure from the Conan that we were just seeing at like Marvel for a long time. It looks much more like a classic art style, which I just don't feel like you get a ton in modern comics. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is very much um, aping uh, John DeSima's Conan work at Marvel. Yeah. 70s and 80s. Yeah, I just I, you don't you don't really see comics that look like this now. So I thought that was except for when it's like reprints of things, you know, like Titan releasing. Yeah, stuff. E- even the way they did the letter did the um uh the title page is very, very retro style. Yeah. And like the white backgrounds connecting, you know, it just sort of felt like a hardcover of a, you know, like a French imported book or something. Um, it must be on purpose for them, right? To, oh, yeah. To move away from Marvel's. Yeah. Although the cover looks just like a Marvel. Totally. Thing to no. me. Yeah. The Panosian. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. But it's also then kind of like zombies. And uh, yeah, I, Roman, did you read the write up at the end? I did. I think I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I liked the write up in it at the end, sort of explaining the long comprehensive storyline of the shared worlds that Robert E. Howard had been writing and kind of even showed the sliver that this arc of Conan, who you hear so much about, like takes place in kind of relative to the whole overarching thing. I thought that was super interesting and that they were going to be kind of writing these series with that perspective in mind. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that'll be fun if they do it well, um, bringing in some of the other Robert E. Howard characters. I don't even like the fact they kept the the name of the old uh, letters page, Chainmail, which I think oh. was the name of the letters page in the Marvel series. Oh, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, and it was a you know it was a decent Conan story. Of you know, there's he's in this little crappy village, and invaders come in. And he teams up with this woman, a Pict, who 
arrived ahead of the the bad guys to warn them and and savage things ensue and they, yeah there's zombies or something like that ghouls something they peep these people have all been they have wounds and guts hanging out so something unnatural i love the reveal at the end was that this like yeah horde of zombies was like moving on and he's like i gotta get back to samaria and she was like dude they already got to samaria and destroyed it and there's this great shot of his people being like mauled by these zombies and um yeah i think i'm always more interested in conan as an idea than his comics but this is you know one of the better first issues there's been since i feel like the marvel stuff kicked off I, i was pretty intrigued i'll probably go back for another one yeah yeah i mean it's not as I mean, it's only one issue, so you can't really compare it to like Tim Tim Truman's run. I mean, that was really great from Dark Horse. Um, and Kurt Busiek followed it. But this this is a good for solid first issue. I mean, if you haven't read Conan before, it pretty much introduces you to his whole shtick. And, his whole shtick. Yeah, and his and and the fact that he has it was interesting because I at the store on Tuesday, uh, there was a couple people that would just were I could tell by their their like ugh, Conan that they were had no interest at all in reading a Conan comic. Um, just because, uh, I guess, because the idea of Conan, the the popular representation is that he's just a big musclehead idiot that, you know, takes advantage of women and kills people. And I think maybe in Robert E. Howard's original stories, there was more of that because, you know, they're written in the 1920s. Right. But um, the Marvel, every single Marvel cover is like that. Yeah, the Marvel covers. But in the comics, usually, you know, he's not, he drinks and he has lots of sex, but he's also like this comic has that he asks, you know, he's a good guy. Basically, he wants to help this woman and doesn't just abandon her to the, the villains that make a point. There's a point in the story where she's overwhelmed and he actually saves her. Um, he's like Joey from Friends. Yeah. Yeah. Jo- Jonah. Exactly. How you yeah, doing? Jonah and the friendly doing? barbarian. Yeah. Yeah. Crom Crom's teeth. How you doing? Yeah. I, I always check in on him because he's such a, cultural idea that has strong boy pervade through time uh and he's such a strong boy uh yeah roman i would give it uh 8.0 i would give it i think i'm gonna man 7.8 oh wow so just just for the record Braden has entered an uh a score also and i'll tell tales out of school but Braden gave it an eight too nice wow cool cool um uh you're cute. Django, Sacrificers, Rick Remender, Image Series, art by Max Fiumara, who I only, only really know from Variants. Um, kind of a big name writer dropping a big profile book this week. Did you guys both read that? Sure did. And? Yep. I like um, the birdie people. I did Yeah, it's too. a real pretty comic. I don't know that I really love Rick Remender's writing, but the yeah. art is amazing. And yeah. Uh, I I think I need a couple more issues before I decide one way or the other, but I like the kind of the high concept of the, this sun God having a court and a daughter who looks like she's probably the moon and then him like having breakfast and then going up into the sun, up into the sky to be the sun. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, you got more out of that scene than I did. I didn't make all those connections well, well done. he's got that weird mask and on the very last page the sun has that mask on yeah or even just like when he was going up to be the day and become the sun and that stuff i, I didn't nice one. Oh, okay see i didn't figure out on the last page that that's a mask i thought it was a ship like coming down or something yeah he's got okay. it on, on on the page right after he goes up also it's oh. it's kind of subtle and yeah 
maybe that's one of my problems with just Rick Remender's writing in fantasy stuff in general is that he's got some some concepts that that make you have to read a little bit closer than I generally read comics. Um, but I really like the character designs and the coloring and the like. There's there's some fucked up father child relationships going on with the bird people, and I'm curious where that goes. Um, but yeah, I just in general, um, not my not my very favorite writer, but art two thumbs up. Yeah, I think the art was gorgeous in it. I I particularly liked the stuff with the bird people in it because it is he's like so good at father son stuff because he's got a fucked up relationship with his dad. So like you've got this sort of tribe of people who have to make a sacrifice once a year it seems like to this ruling class and they have to sacrifice one of their kids or maybe it's even less than once a year. It seems like they've been waiting for this for a while. But yeah, that was all like pretty heart wrenching and touching stuff. Um, I think he's pretty good at eliciting emotion. And then I was less interested in like the solar deity stuff, but I also didn't, I hadn't created that context for it. So I think I would like it more. And also that was a pretty small portion of the issue, but I think I would like it more with having what you pointed out in mind. That, that specific part is exactly what I don't like about cosmic stories too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I, I definitely didn't like that while reading it because I was just like, I don't know what this is at all. Like, I don't know what the scope of this is. This room that they're in. Is this a metaphorical room? Is this a real room? Like, yeah, yeah I, I do. I do yeah. need some parameters. Roman, what do you think of the sacrificers? Um, pretty much all you guys thought. Um, beautiful art. I love the bird people. I love the even the rendering of the pigs. Not well, not, shouldn't say rendering because that's you know, that's like fat stuff. Proce- yeah, that's pr- processing pigs for eating. The uh, drawings of pigs were very good. And the same, I didn't care about the house, I assume, in the heavens with the son and his daughter, the fiery haired, but she's a crescent moon. Um, I don't care about any of that. Um, and actually, I don't even know if I care that much about the why these rulers, if it's the sun guy, why they demand families sacrifice one of their children. I don't know if it's the oldest child or what, but uh, I kind of just want to stay with the bird family on the farm. <laughs> yeah. Roman, there's only pigs in two panels. You got to. I know, but they're cool. You pigs. Got a sharp eye for pigs, bro. I I, I think it's because my told dad. You that. Loved, my dad loves pigs, and so <laughs> I, I grew Aww. up appreciating a good pig. That's some pig. Some <laughs> um, pig. Oh, Django, you fun guy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bummer when it's a fantasy book of recommenders, because uh, again, that is my least favorite genre for him to work in. Um, my favorite is superheroes because he does those. such great. Yeah, he does, but he does such yeah. great super like sci-fi superhero stories that. Who who is the artist of this? Um, Max Fiumara. Ah, okay. I couldn't find the uh, the contents page with Dave McCaig on colors, but I don't think he's technically uh, credited in the issue, which is weird. Really, Dave McCaig. Oh, there he is on on the title page. He's not credited on the inside cover where most of the credits are, but he's on the yeah. he's on the map. Yeah, that was confusing. The the inside cover is just the cover artist for the variants. Yeah. 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 Uh, scores. Seven and a half. Seven. I forgot to write it down, so I didn't give it a score yet. Um, I'm going to go eight. I'm going to go eight. Really? I am. Oh, are you? X-Men 25 came out this week. It's sort of the setting the new paradigm after X-Men Hellfire Gala that came out last week. It mostly follows kitty pride of of shadow cat fame becoming shadow cat once again when she 
falls through a gateway because she can move through them now and murders the fuck maliciously out of these people and seems like out of penance or something she's you know re-identifying as shadow cat and kind of ninja e and the x-men are kind of doing re-establishing themselves in this world without mutants it's possible that all of the mutants are like lost in space rather than dead but we don't know for sure it's definitely portrayed to xavier that he's de- they're all dead <clears throat> um the x-men seems to be like old lady laura which i love and sink and ms marvel and rasputin 4 and Emma Frost like basically wipes everyone's memories to think that Ms. Marvel never died, which is weird. I don't really know why it all happened outside of being able to unequivocally say that she is a mutant, um, which makes me, yeah, think of the movies or makes me need to think about like some clause for like the cinematic universe needing to have made a movie with the mutants in it within some period of time. So they've wrapped her up as a mutant now. So if she's in the TVs, they can say they're using the IP or I don't know, conspiracy theory stuff, but she's back alive and she's a mutant and she's just with her family and stuff now. Um, But I like this issue a lot and I'm liking Gary, Jerry Duggan's, you know, running the ship and the art's really nice. It's Stefano Caselli. So uh, yeah, the X-Men Hellfire Gala put some extra gas in that X-Men tank for me, and I am liking this coming out of it. I gave this issue an 8.5. Cool. Um, I forgot. During all that, I had a question for you, and now I've forgotten what my question was. Darn it! Shadow Cat? Um, Kitty Pride? Kitty Pride? Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in that. Wow, I wonder if... Because uh, that goes back to her the Logan and, and Kitty Pride and Wolverine series. Yeah, she references... From the 80s. She references like his slogan of best of what he does and what he does isn't very nice. Oh, Logan slogan. The Logan slogan. Oh, Roman, that's really good. That's really, really good. Jacob, well you would have a good slogan. Fart. Fart. Poot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so now I'm curious. There's because this 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 issue of Doctor Strange that came out this week ha- this week has a um Who Are the Gods? little blurb on the cover and now i'm trying to remember was there a so there must be a who are the gods page in here and i don't remember it in the x-men there wasn't one that i saw oh well did it have it on the cover though no it didn't. Blurb? Oh. it didn't so i guess it's not every marvel book oh i just flipped through this issue of dr strange that i already read and i don't see anything about oh sorry I, Hickman. I was talking about the x-men hmm. yeah i don't know anybody well, else want to do a little book rundown like i just did uh, oh. I can do this Doctor Strange number six. Yeah, Leg- tell us about it. How's that going? For Legacy issue 432. It even says in it, Jonathan Hickman, God's page writer. What God's page? The last page of the book. This is a trick. He's saying the Doctor Strange one doesn't have one. If it does, I can't figure out what page it is. Um, I've been enjoying this Doctor Strange series, though this issue, I was... Well, the premise of this issue, there's this... Uh, oh, what's it called? The War, the War of the Seven Spheres. Um, which goes on for a thousand years. It's another Marvel time time compression story. Magic. Because, um, yeah, the Vishanti gets Doctor Strange and lists him to fight in this war and be their general in the war, and they they magically stop him from aging, so he's able to fight for a thousand years. Um, and it, and it, it changes him, and they keep on referring to him as the general. He's like, no, I'm the doctor, until finally after 500 years, he's like, no, I don't deserve to be the doctor i'm i'm the general you know because i've done horrible things and and throughout the issue i just like damn it so i mean i'm trying not to think of doctor who and the war doctor but that's all i can think during this issue because that's all jed mckay did was adapt the war doctor storyline into this issue of doctor strange but he's a war general now 
yeah, I'm actually surprised in the, in that war doctor that they didn't just call him the general or something like that. Yeah, like they do in this story, because um, that's exactly what happened to the eighth doctor and and the ninth doctor, and they they wiped out their memories of it because the war doctor did such horrible horrible things uh, during that war. So you know, this was a fine story. It was well done, but yeah, I just couldn't remove the Doctor Who stuff from my from my head reading it. So I guess I'd give it a seven. Apparently this general is general version of Doctor Strange is going to be at least in the next few issues because he's going to be fighting the regular Doctor Strange, you know, his militaristic evil side. Hmm. Sounds super fun and magical. Yeah, that does. That sounds that sounds like that. Did you give it a score? Uh, I'll give it a seven. Nice. Django, you got a little books, little books blowed inside of you. I got, I, there, there's like two other interesting books that I read. Yeah, so I read Love Everlasting number 10. I can't believe that we're 10 issues in and still only kind of have an idea of what's going on here. Um, but, you know, we dig it in Ice Cream Man, so I decided I'll dig it in this. And this actually moves the plot along a little bit. This was the end of what I think was a three-issue story arc. Um and she actually becomes an old woman before she falls in love and then gets transported to another place. And it's just a really kind of maudlin look at aging. Um, but the trick in it, and it's pretty subtle, uh, you have to be you have to be paying pretty close attention. She's like talking about how her children and her grandchildren. And she says, uh, fortunately, in 1963, the world was almost at peace and he was rarely in danger. Talking about her kid at war. And then like five pages later she talks about how it's 1963 and things are different but but this is like 15 years after that so she's aging and the year is staying the same throughout this story interesting and i thought that was pretty cool because that's kind of i don't know it feels right for romance comics to never really let their characters leave a certain era yeah um yeah it's it's not necessarily the most accessible uh tom king book but i'm really glad that i've stuck with it and that i'm still reading it so good good stuff i'm gonna give it an 8.5 on the richter scale 8.5 on the richter scale uh did you read that one roman i did yes oh god i did you like it i did i was i was a little more confused by it than you were but i liked it i mean it was well told her her uh senior citizenness and it ended with Two seniors smooching with ice cream on nice. their faces, so that was great. Pretty giving, great. Giving hope to Roman. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I like the because I think that that's in, been it in the previous issues too, where the year is always nineteen sixty three, no matter how many years have passed or or. Um, oh, so so every issue has been nineteen sixty three because the the next one the the final story in here takes place in nineteen forty seven. The cowboy oh, tells wow. her it's nineteen forty seven. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if every issue, but I if they mention it every issue, but that. 63 has come up repeatedly cool um, Django, you did a good job reading your comics this week you caught some stuff that roman and i both didn't <laughs> yeah well somebody had to pick up the slack jeff <laughs> i'm sorry Django. i want to do good for you <laughs> listen none of more jonathan hickman it's pretty easy pretty easy job uh did we get roman's score for that yeah what's your score romy did we oh uh i don't know did i say seven sure sure yeah, sure, cool. It's a seven. Well, before we get out of here, we should talk about the end of The Adventures of John Kent, number six, Tom Taylor and Clayton Henry, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Roman, did you also read this one? Um, I've, I think I flipped through it at the store. Okay. Well, Close this, this is John yeah. Kent on the Injustice planet visiting his dad. Uh, I don't, haven't read all the Injustice stuff, but um, or even any of it, but 
you get a good feel for this universe over this story arc, but um, yeah, kind of odd. This is the end of this story, which has been plagued by pretty rough art throughout it, but I liked the story quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I think it acted as a nice way for Tom Taylor to send off his Injustice universe with a little bit of hope if he doesn't ever actually plan to write any more of it. Yeah, I thought I thought that the like plot wise, I really enjoyed the way John solves the problem of having to beat Superman uh, and the Justice League. Uh, I thought it was a little bit corny that he thought he could hug his dad out of being a murderer. Um, but the just in coming general, from a guy who doesn't like hugs that much. Well, yeah, because I'm a murderer. Wouldn't work on me. <laughs> That's what you think. Um, I mean, it didn't work on Superman either. Kind of it right? did. He punched him right after and called him a sanctimonious <laughs> fuck. Yeah, you're right. Or something. A sanctimonious something. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, I, I, I'd like to think that he got through to him a little bit. But it's it's kind of unclear to me because I haven't read all of the Injustice stuff, whether this is the end of Superman's reign in the Injustice universe or if it's just a little side story that we hadn't had a story told yet, you know, because John gets beamed out of there before there's really a resolution. Yeah, I guess I assumed that because this is the most modern point in our continuity, it's the most modern point in theirs, but that's definitely not stated. Yeah. Um, and then it says the end for now, and it, it tells us that in November we get a Beast World story with John. And uh, if Tom Taylor's next, writing it, I'm in. That's the next big DC event. I read every Tom Taylor book. Yeah, as long as it's not a team book, but you do read Titan. Well, yeah, it's probably fine. It's probably fine. Um, Jeff. Yeah. What would you give that, that book and what would you give the series? <sighs> I give it an 8.5. I'm going to give the series an 8.5. I think the weakest part is definitely the art, which in the middles got pretty rough, but uh, looked pretty good by the end of it here. Um, yeah, I just think it's a, a very good john kent superman story and there's not a ton of those yet so if somebody wanted to you know kind of get a crash course in that character this is what i would give them over anything from the previous miniseries nice i'm gonna give it a seven and a half too also i gave it an eight and a half i mean seven and a half never mind shut up (laughs) you got some clam chowder on your face over there Django. oh what's wrong with my (laughs) clam chowder Hey, thanks for hanging out with us this evening, everybody, or whenever you're listening to this, maybe you're driving, maybe you're at Dairy Queen and you're just hanging out, having yourself a blizzard and listening to a podcast. Whoa, if that's whoa, how whoa. you, yeah. You said you read a trade paperback or a, a graphic oh, novel yeah, you're right. collection and, and I've been waiting for like 45 minutes to hear about it. With bated breath. I read Joe Quesada and Paulo Rivera's Amazing Spider-Man One Moment in Time, which was the, with art by Joe Quesada and Javier or and Paolo Rivera as well as like reprinted material from John Romita and from the original Spider-Man stuff. And it is awesome. It's a very good story about like how it's how it's the story of what they did when they retconned away Peter and Mary Jane's wedding, when they had made the deal with Mephisto to like save Aunt May. And then he convinced Dr. Strange and the Illuminati to erase the memory of him having his identity come out to everybody, which or they had to give up the marriage for they gave it the marriage to save Aunt May, and he gave it the memory. Yeah. So anyway, whoa, it was confusing. But uh, Casada art is always cool, uh, yeah. and Paolo Rivera art is always phenomenal, and it's just a pretty fantastic little slice of comic booking. And Spider Man's always been seeped in tragedy, and yeah, it's like a great if you're going through a breakup, you should read that. Um, yeah, I think I was when I first read it, so that's why it's always stayed in my mind as a, a story. But yeah, mm. I've been craving good Spider-Man, and uh, that's that's a good one. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll read Craven's Last Hunt finally. Oh, I yeah, I keep hearing that we should read that. Augustus 
recommends it greatly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good story. And then you'll be all set up for the movie. Yeah. We Roman, I'm not going to see that, that movie. That's not really true. the trailer doesn't look bad. Yeah, except for the opening trailers. Except for the opening scene of the trailer where it's got all those terrible spiders descending from the forest canopy. Icky. Yeah, yeah, that was um <laughs> Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Yeah. I went down a rabbit hole of who created certain Indiana Jones stories, and Steranko drew some of those th- further adventures of Indiana Jones books. Oh yeah. And Jim Owsley wrote some of them. Oh, who yeah? turned into Christopher Priest. Yeah. Oh wow. And now I'm and and like I think Denny O'Neill wrote some in the in the early days, and uh John Byrne and Terry Austin did some. I really want to reread that series now more than I did even during lockdown. Wow, that's quite a creative knowing team. those creators is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's exciting stuff. Uh read those. Tell us how it fucking goes, old chap. All right. Um Django, take us home. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast by the Comics Place. No, remember I have to go Bellingham, to the, Washington. We make to to woodworking store to get Ethernet and honey. Oh right! Uh, hey everybody, Jeff's got to go get Ethernet and honey. That sounds I gotta like a... go get Ethernet and honey. <laughs> um, I like Ethernet. I like and Pizza honey. Rick. Pizza Rick. Uh, oh, yep, it's so- time to quit. Send us an email. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Um, I'm getting married in a couple, like six weeks. So Django had brought up that we might have some missed weeks coming up here we're, at some we're point. We're going so. to have some missed weeks coming up here, at yeah. least of Jeff and probably me and Roman. So just want everyone to have that in their mind. Um, we'll let okay. you know when it gets closer, though. I just think we should do a special wedding podcast like while you and Sam are up there, and we'll, 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 you know, she'll yeah. understand. Can she we get your in-laws in there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Erica yeah. makes fun of our primetime podcast all the time because we record this on Friday night, which is when all the cool kids are doing other stuff. Yeah, because <laughs> we're cool. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go to Fred Myers. I'll see you guys all soon. Um, Bye. Django and I was wondering if you... He-